The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort. 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Welcome to the Talking the Star podcast. I am not Connor Livesey, obviously. I am Joey Ikes, and unfortunately, Connor is on assignment dealing with some things. And so you get me solo coming off of this debacle. I, I think that's the only real way you can word it of a 42 to 10 beat down that the San Francisco 49ers put on the Dallas Cowboys in week five. And we talked about this last week. It feels like everybody talked about this game. The heck the team talked going into this game about how this game was a measuring stick for the Cowboys as a team, as a franchise for Dak Prescott as a quarterback, Mike McCarthy as a head coach and a play caller, Dan Quinn and his defense, all of these things. And it looked like the 49ers were playing at a different speed than the Cowboys. It looked like the Cowboys were playing on like volume level eight and the 49ers were playing on like volume level 11 or 12. And maybe I'm giving the Cowboys too much credit for being at eight, but just a complete and total colossal collapse, a colossal collapse from everyone across the entire team from top to bottom. It's time that we start talking about a little bit more. And Connor has talked about this a little bit. And I've kind of given some, you know, some hope. I've had some hope held out, held out a little bit of positivity and optimism and, you know, belief that maybe, just maybe, there's more to this offensive design and scheme than what we had seen. And if it wasn't going to come out against San Francisco, 
in this game that this team, this organization, everybody from top to bottom, from the owner to the quarterback and the people that host the podcast and write the articles on the websites talked all week about how this was a measuring stick game for them, about how this game mattered more than any other regular season game did. And I, I went through the offensive tape the last you know 24 hours or so. Started yesterday afternoon. The, I'm recording this on Tuesday evening. Started yesterday afternoon on Monday. Finished it up today. And I cannot think of one play off the top of my head where I watched that play for the Cowboys and said, wow, that was a cool design. Wow, that was a neat thing that they did to get that guy open. Oh, wow, that's creative the way that they did that. They ran 49 offensive plays. First of all, that's such a long time. You want to be running, you know, 65 or so plays is what, in my mind, when I think of the average NFL game, I think of about 65 plays. They played, they ran 49 plays of offense. And the last 10 of them, the quarterback and the two veteran offensive linemen didn't play. It was, it was maybe the most inept display of offensive construction that I can remember. I've been watching NFL games to this degree of closeness, watching tape, reviewing games this way for 12 or so seasons now. And it was just, there was nothing. And I think part of it that was so striking was the contrast between what the Cowboys ran out there on offense from a scheme standpoint versus what the 49ers ran out there. And that is the 49ers on every play, it feels like. Every play, they break the huddle, they line up. A guy moves in an initial shift. He resets. The defense resets to him. And then just before the snap, there's another motion. Sometimes it's a fast motion, like a jet motion or what you know Mike McDaniel started doing in Miami and a bunch of these other guys in that coaching tree have picked up. Kyle Shanahan calls it cheat motion, where it's a, a guy runs on a sprint out towards the sideline from his initial alignment. He doesn't cross the formation. So if he's aligned up in the slot to the right, instead of running jet motion across the formation to his left, he will turn and run at full speed to his right towards the sideline. And it winds up flipping who the number one outside receiver is and who the number two outside receiver is. And it gets that guy running from the inside out going at a, at a high rate of speed. And we've seen guys do this in the baseball with baseball, with the rule changes, with the bases and all this other kind of stuff this year in that these guys are getting essentially walking leads and it's increased stolen bases by a ton. And doing this on the football field puts defenses in massive disadvantages. And it feels like 
every single play. And it may not really legitimately be every play, but there are some plays where there's four motions. They break the huddle, guy moves, shifts to one spot, two guys move after that and completely flip the strength, and then there's a jet motion afterwards. And they're doing some – and Kyle Shanahan is probably – Kyle Shanahan and Mike McDaniel, who was Kyle Shanahan's right-hand man for a ton of years, are at the absolute forefront of this stuff. There is there is nobody out there doing it like they are doing it. And then there's Mike McCarthy. And I think it's relatively safe to say – and I don't watch every team this closely. But I don't think there's anybody doing it quite like he's doing it either. It feels like every time they do a motion, it's performative. Here, we did motion. Don't you like when we do motion? We line up and we start our tight end on the left side and run him to the right side and run him right back to where he was standing before. Aren't you glad we did motion? And it felt like there were some deep shots like that, too, this week. Hey, you've been telling us you want us to throw deep. Here. Here is our max protect two-man route with the wide receivers lined up outside the numbers on opposite sides of the field. Where the only way either one of them wins is if it's pure man coverage. And one of them is running a post route into a middle of field closed coverage with nobody to hold that safety away from him, and that's the primary read. And even though we're in max protect, we're going to get three men through the pressure through through the protection. The quarterback's going to get hit on a play when he's being protected by eight guys against a five-man rush, I believe. It was just completely inept. And I can't tell you how many times you stop the tape right as Dak's getting ready to make a decision about where to throw the ball. And there are three players within about five yards of the line of scrimmage and between one of the hashes and the opposite numbers, just all clustered in an area. And then you've got two other guys running clearing routes or whatever. And you just watch the way the offense is constructed. And I've watched a lot of offensive football over the years. Passing game design, how this stuff works is, it is what got me this interested in football, was this stuff. And it's so bad right now, guys. So bad. If, if it were... Hey, you know, there there's still a lot of slant flat, you know, they call it dragon. And there's still a lot of double flat or double slants, you know, they call that lion. There's still a lot of stick where the inside guy runs a little hitch that can convert to an out, and there's a, a go route on the outside and sometimes a flat route. But it's it feels like 70% of their offense is those three concepts right now. And it's all static. They're all standing in one place. I specifically remember Josh Norris does a great show. Last year he did it with Josh McCown. This year he's doing it with Colt McCoy. And it's called Scheme on the Underdogs um, YouTube channel. 
You should watch it. It's great. And I distinctly remember they did a show with Joshua Cowan last year around week 12 or 14, something like that, where they went through the last three or so games of the Cowboys. And they just pulled highlight after highlight after highlight of C.D. Lamb moving around before the snap, creating movement to get him separation before the snap immediately. All of that is gone. Anytime there's motion, there's a reset right before the snap. There's no motion at the snap. Anytime there is, well, I take it back. There's one play where you're like, oh, that was nice. That was nice design. They did something before the snap to create an advantage for the offense. Cavante Turpin comes in motion across the formation, becomes essentially number three, the third man inside in a bunch that's tight to the formation. The guy that's following him, because he's in motion, naturally out-leveraged to the right-hand side. And Cavante Turpin, with his speed, runs right by him, turns to the corner. Dak puts the ball right on the front pylon, and it's a touchdown. It was the best design of the whole day. The only one that you really looked at and go, yep, that one right there. Bring that one back. Everything else. Even the the deep shots down the sideline that they took to Michael Gallup a couple times and the deep shot to uh, to Brandon Cooks that would have been probably the best throw of Dak's career if it's a foot further inside and Brandon Cooks can catch it and get his feet down. Those plays are not creatively designed. There's not a lot going on. So if this often, and we we're, we now have five games worth of sample. Now, granted, some of them were blowouts. We don't necessarily know how they would have called those games in neutral game scripts. But I think we've seen it now. If this is how they're going to roll out against the best defense in the NFL, and I think it's easy, to, I think it's safe to say now, the Cowboys do not belong in that conversation and have not for three weeks and don't for the rest of the year belong in the conversation of the best defense of the year or in the league. And yet here they are. Mike McCarthy comes out in his press conference talking about we are a defensive team. This team is built around the defense. There's no doubt. There's no secret about that. We're playing offense to help our defense. It's the year 2023. Nobody builds their team with their defense and uses their offense to protect their defense. Nobody that's a good team builds their team that way. The only other teams that have good defenses and relatively bad offenses are the Saints and the Buccaneers. And they're pretty good stories right now playing in a bad division, and you do not want to be the Saints or the Buccaneers. Everyone else is actually built around their quarterback and the offensive side of the ball. Everything is around maximizing the offensive side of the ball. And that's not where the Cowboys are at right now. And that is really what boils down to why it almost feels like the Cowboys fan base is in an existential crisis of kinds right now. We built ourselves up as a fan base, as media, as you know, analysts, 
fanalist, as I like to kind of joke around and call us, we built ourselves up to this fever pitch. We built ourselves up to this idea that this was the measuring game. This was the team that had knocked us out of the playoffs for the last two years. But this team, this Cowboys team, was different. Dak wasn't throwing interceptions because the offense was a little bit different, but they still had the other stuff in it. Remember, only 30% of the offense was supposed to change. And most of that was going to be protections that had to do with the running back. And remember all that time that I talked about all those wide receivers, all those pass catchers clustered in the middle of the field together? Almost every time. It's one of the running backs sitting right over the ball while two other wide receivers or tight ends are running right towards him. But anyway, this team was supposed to be different. This team was supposed to have all those problems solved. They drafted a defensive tackle in the first round, brought back Jonathan Hankins. They're supposed to be able to stop the run. They did a pretty good job stopping the run. Micah Parsons, Demarcus Lawrence, Dorrance Armstrong, Sam Williams. These guys get after the quarterback. Almost no pressure on Brock Purdy. I think they had five pressures on Brock Purdy. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to the Future of Work, a Pod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the Pod wherever you get your podcasts. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Just bad. Completely, like I said, just bad from top to bottom. Nobody on the team showed up to play except maybe Jonathan Hankins and Tyler Smith. Tyler Smith is phenomenal right now. But Cowboys fans are at this existential crisis because we built ourselves up to this game. And this was going to be the game that was different. This was going to be the game that showed the league the Cowboys are for real. Brandon Cooks is here. Michael Gallup is healthy. The offensive line is finally out there together. And yet, it was worse than the other two games have been. One of the worst offensive outputs in the last decade, at least, for the Cowboys. Less than 200 total yards, 10 points. Three turn four turnovers, just pathetic, pathetic offensively. And the defense, I'm spending all this time talking about the offense because I spent the last 24 hours studying the offense in depth, but the defense was not much better. The defense, every time the defense would make a play, they'd shoot themselves in the foot. 
you know, it's it's time to start having a conversation about about J. Ron Curse. It's time to start having a conversation about Malik Hooker. It's time to start having a conversation about, you know, a lot of these guys. You know, Donovan Wilson has been a little bit off since coming back from the injury, kind of rolling himself in, had got hurt on the first day of training camp, no training camp practices, practiced for three or four days before the season opener, or not even before the season opener, three or four days before his first game back and came back and played. And now I think this is his third game back. And he wasn't perfect, but he made two of the biggest plays in the game. And both of them were taken away by penalty. Both of the plays had penalties called on J. Ron Curse for just the only word I can think of to say is ignorance. For standing in the feet planted in the neutral zone when you're covering a tight end. You're four yards, five yards from the ball. Look to your right. The ball's right there. Just line up offsides. Donovan Wilson make, Donald makes a great break to his right, playing as the whole player and cover one in the middle of the field underneath. Makes a great play, diving to his right. Almost gets an interception, knocks the ball away. Incomplete pass. It was third down. Defense gets off the field. Flag on the play. Offsides. First down. A couple series later, they throw the little choice route, the little slant to Christian McCaffrey. Donovan Wilson breaks downhill, delivers a classic Donovan Wilson hit. And I asked a few people because I, I'm a huge Donovan Wilson fan. I will gladly admit it. I asked a few people, was that – was that a bad hit or was it kind of a could have gone either way situation? Every single person told me, you know, that hit could have gone either way. He led with his shoulder. The head made contact, but he definitely led with his shoulder. Christian McCaffrey lowered his center of mass, you know, could, could have not been called just as easily it was called. But it wouldn't have mattered because J. Ron Smith decided to, or J. Ron Curse decided to stand over the top of the running back after he dropped the ball and flex like he did something. And that's the kind of thing this defense is doing right now. And it just flat out wasn't good enough. Because, guys, this San Francisco team might be special. You know, I'm the kind of guy who, for a long time, has said, you know, Brock Purdy is really a, a product of his surroundings. He's a product of the offense that he's in with the skilled players around him and all that kind of stuff. And all that stuff is absolutely true. Kyle Shanahan is one of one. He's the best offensive coordinator in the NFL for my money beyond a shadow of a doubt. His skill position group is phenomenal. But the way Brock Purdy is playing right now and the way he played in this game, there were some, and JT O'Sullivan on the quarterback school did a great job of calling it out. Some world-class anticipation throws made by Brock Purdy in this game. And it really, to me, that is really kind of what drives home the differences between these two offenses is that the Cowboys have a really good defense or have had a really good defense. 
But Brock Purdy could drop back and absolutely trust beyond a shadow of a doubt that the guy that was supposed to be open was going to be open. Because on every play, there's a guy who's supposed to be open. And sometimes there was three or four guys running wide open because of the blender that Kyle Shanahan had this Dan Quinn-led defense in. And this is its not a good trend. I mean, we, we thought the Cowboys' defense played really great against New England and that that was a great sign. And then they go out and get blanked by the Saints. Maybe it was more about the Patriots than it was about the Cowboys, which offense or defensive production normally is. But this is two out of the last three weeks that offensive to, offensive coordinators have just put this Dan Quinn defense in a blender and turned it on and dumped them out as a smoothie and just ran right through it. And it is it's a tough situation to look at this team right now. We talked – Connor and I did a couple of weeks ago coming off the Arizona loss about how we were going to learn a lot about this team coming off of this game, coming off of these next two or three weeks. And maybe they come out and they blow the Chargers out and everybody's feeling a lot better next week. But that doesn't change its performance at all. In the big picture, this is one of 17 games. In the big picture, plenty of teams have gone to and won the Super Bowl after getting beat by 20-plus points. I mean, everybody's praising the Dolphins right now. They scored 70 points a couple weeks ago, scored a ton of points again this week. And in the week in between, they got beat by almost 30 points by the Bills, who then turned around and lost to the Jaguars this week in London, who two weeks ago got beat by 20 points by the Texans. It's a crazy league, but this San Francisco team, with that guy playing quarterback the way he's playing quarterback, and again, I do not think he's the best quarterback in the league. I do not think that in any generic offense, he is a better quarterback than half of the league. But in that particular offense, with that particular set of skill players and that particular play caller, you you can't do anything but say he may be, he's among the two or three most dangerous quarterbacks in the league right now. Again, not because he's the best quarterback, but because in that environment, that is, you could not design a quarterback more perfectly for a Kyle Shanahan offense than that, than what Brock Purdy is. The anticipation, the release, the footwork, super consistent, all those things. And when you contrast what the the 49ers offense looked like structurally and the way the quarterback trusted what he was seeing because he trusted what was being called is night and day different from the way the Cowboys quarterback played and the way the Cowboys offense was designed. And it's a really hard place to sit back after five weeks and be able to affirmatively say that there is no questioning left to be done at this point. The most important people in any NFL building 
are the play caller slash offensive coordinator. Sometimes that's the head coach, like the Cowboys, like the 49ers, and the and the quarterback. Those are the two most important people in the building. Just look back at the Super Bowl since 2016. It's a bunch of future Hall of Fame coaches and mostly future Hall of Fame quarterbacks. There are more quarterbacks that we kind of say, eh, you know, that guy's okay, that make it to the Super Bowl than there are offensive coordinators or offensive play callers that we go, eh, you know, that guy's okay. They're almost all masterminds at what they do. The offensive coordinator, the play caller, is more important than anyone else in the building. He's more important than the player personnel guy. He's more important than the head coach. He's more important than the quarterback. And the Cowboys play caller and the offensive coordinator, who are two separate guys, are stuck in 2005. And that is a really, really hard position to be in. Because the Cowboys are talented enough. Dak Prescott is good enough that they will probably still win 10 or 11 games this year. They'll probably still go on a run at some point where they win three, four, five games in a row. And we'll start thinking, hey, this is the best team in the league. This team is different. And there will be some fans that will remind us when we're feeling those things about this game. And as aggravating as it will be in those moments for those guys to remind us of that, it will be 100% appropriate is that until this team shows. Now, they're going to play some good teams. They're going to play the Eagles, but I don't feel like the Eagles are the same kind of matchup for the Cowboys as the 49ers are. They're going to play the Bills. That's a, that's going to be a – that game with Buffalo is going to be a huge measuring stick. They're going to play the Dolphins with Vic Fangio coordinating that defense. We know what kind of trouble that's given the Cowboys offense before. Although this is a different Cowboys offense, so it could be worse. It's going to be really, really hard to trust this team at all moving forward. And, you know, I, I, I'm a Dak apologist, maybe to the extreme. But there is a, a lot of accountability here that sits on Dak because a lot of this stuff comes from the quarterback. A lot of the stuff that he wants to do is in this offense. This is an offensive brain trust problem, starting with the head coach, the offensive coordinator, the quarterback, the quarterback's coach, the offensive line coach, all of it. I'm pretty sure, and I haven't been able to get anybody to confirm this for me because I thought I was crazy when I heard it. But I'm pretty sure I heard Chris Collinsworth on the broadcast say the words that Mike McCarthy told him they haven't even gotten to installing their seven-step pass protections yet. How do you get through five weeks of OTAs and mini camps, a month of training camp in Oxnard, two weeks of training camp in Frisco, 10 days before the start of the, the season after the first 
after the last preseason game, after cutdowns. And five weeks into the season, and you can look a broadcaster in the face and say, we haven't even installed our seven-step pass protections yet. I'm baffled by that. How do you expect to be able to attack teams? How do you... I'm baffled by this right now because none of this makes sense from an offensive construction standpoint. And I keep coming back to that again because that's where my heart is. That's where my mind is. That's the thing that gets me excited about football. And there's none of it for the Cowboys right now. I would turn my attention to the game against the Chargers next week. I mean, it's a big game. Kellen Moore, former Cowboys offensive coordinator that was, you know, kind of made a scapegoat. And wasn't perfect as the offensive coordinator here, but him and Dak made some beautiful music together. And it's pretty obvious right now the Cowboys took a huge step back. Huge in that department. And it's where my entire attention is. It's where all of my mind is right now when it comes to this team is because I don't see a way to fix it without, because now the the offensive coordinator is the head coach. And while I think that Mike McCarthy has been given way too little credit for what the Cowboys have accomplished to this point in his tenure here, 12 wins back-to-back seasons, back-to-back times in the playoffs, won a playoff game, all on the road for the first time in forever. But now he's the play caller. And he's not doing a very good job. And so if you move on from Mike McCarthy, the play call, you're probably moving on from Mike McCarthy, the head coach, which means you're completely starting over. And you don't want to go hire Dan Quinn to be your head coach. I'm not saying Dan Quinn wouldn't be a good head coach, but then you have to hire an offensive coordinator. And guess what happens to good offensive coordinators? They get hired away to be head coaches. So this is a problem for the Cowboys. And if it doesn't get fixed in a massive, massive way, over the course of the next 12 weeks. It's going to be really hard to think about what this team is for the next two or three years because they've got a lot of their core group of players locked into contracts for the next several years. Signed a bunch of contracts this offseason. I have a couple of more big-time players coming up for contracts. And C.D. Lamb, Micah Parsons after the year. Dak Prescott's got $60 million in cap hit next year. He's almost certain to get an extension, especially with his no trade and no tag clause that's in his contract. 
it's going to be a crazy next 12 weeks for this Cowboys team because this team is extremely talented. But if it is not placed in the right hands schematically, it could mean nothing. And on the defensive side of the ball, they're going to play some really good offenses this year, and they are going to struggle against those really good offenses because those offenses are really good, and they're good against everybody, not just against bad defenses. So you cannot count on a defense to be consistently elite against even great teams, against great, well-designed offenses with high-level quarterback play, which you're going to run into several of those. you got one of them coming up next week in L.A., You've got Buffalo. You've got Philadelphia twice. You've got Miami. They probably are going to make the playoffs because they're pretty easily one of the best, you know, seven teams in the NFC. But they may not be in for a long stay in the playoffs. And if the offense keeps performing like this, it's going to be tough to justify as a fan base retaining Mike McCarthy as your head coach. And if you can't retain Mike McCarthy as a head coach, you're starting over. And that can be a rough place to be, especially because the last hiring process it left a lot to be desired in terms of who they interviewed, the interview process, how they selected the head coach, etc. Guys, that's going to be it for tonight. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Talking the Star podcast. I am Joey Ikes. Again, Connor will be back next week. Um, thanks for sticking with me solo tonight. And I guess we're on to L.A. And this will – not every week will feel like this because this is a good football team. But it's really hard to think about what the goals for this team were and what the way we were talking about this team three weeks ago or last week and where they are now. So that's the show. Make sure you're checking out blogging. The boys talking. The star is of course presented in partnership with blogging. The boys and we'll be back next week. Thank you.